Welcome to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine, a CME podcast series where each week we translate today's late-breaking clinical research and news into tomorrow's practice. I'm Frank Domino, professor in the Department of Family Medicine and Community Health at the University of Massachusetts Medical School and editor-in-chief of the 5-Minute Clinical Consult series. Be sure to visit primed.com podcast after the discussion for more information about today's article and to claim CME CE credit. Sarah is here for her annual visit. She's 40, married with two children who are aged 9 and 11. She's feeling her age and wants to be a good role model for her children. Specifically, she wants to start getting back into exercise and losing a little bit of weight. Her BMI is 29.5. When she was in high school, she was an active athlete and has gained a fair amount of weight following each pregnancy. But she discloses to you that she's uncomfortable exercising. In fact, she describes it as, quote, everything shakes, end quote. And she wants to start doing cardio because that's what's worked for her in the past. How do we help Sarah address her issues? Hi, this is Frank Domino, professor in the Department of Family Medicine and Community Health at the University of Massachusetts Medical School. And joining me today is Jill Terrian, associate professor and director of the nurse practitioner program at the University of Massachusetts Medical School's Graduate School of Nursing. Hi, Jill. Hi, Frank. So as a male, I feel like this is such an important question. Here's a woman who's a little bit, um, she's in the overweight range in her BMI, and her implications about everything shake so that her breasts are making it hard for her to exercise. How do we raise this question with women, uh, especially me being a male, but for all of us, how do, we, how do we raise the issue of breast size and exercise? So there's a lot to unpack right there. So let's, let's take it in a couple of different ways. So in Sarah's case, which I, I know we'll talk about her maybe at the end of our discussion, uh, she's brought the problem up. So there it is laying out for you to discuss. So that's, that's easy, right? That makes it much easier. But how about, you know, the woman that comes to you and you're thinking, I wonder if this could be an impediment to her, right? Mm -hmm. So I think as providers that we talk about a lot of sensitive topics, and this falls in that category. Um, you know, if you're talking to somebody that is, you know, overweight or possibly obese, that's sensitive. Uh, if you're talking to people about their sexuality, erectile dysfunction, cancer, end-of-life discussions, um, really, you know, things that really impact your patient's life. So I think that breast size and talking about breasts can fall into that category. It's another sensitive topic. And I think that as a provider, you know, certainly this might not be something that you talk about on your first visit with a patient getting to know you. But as you see them over time, trust is developed and that relationship, you know, I think that, you know, it can be accomplished. And I don't think that gender should, of the provider or the patient, should come in between that. So I think you know, as a teacher myself, teaching students how to ask questions and deal with sensitive topics, you learn that over time. Well, the paper you wanted to discuss talks quite a bit about this issue. What did it say, and, and how can it inform our decisions? So it's pretty interesting, because after I saw this come out, it actually hit the New York Times and a lot of different, you know, venues. And basically, it's one of the first studies of its kind. It's a little bit novel in that they ended up recruiting, you know, this was Australia, Australian women. They ranged in age from 18 to 75. The bulk of them were probably in the 40 to 45-year-old 
um, age range. And what happened is they advertised at universities and community places to recruit these women. And what they did is they actually measured their breast volume. And it's much like if you've ever sent a patient for an MRI, breast MRI or had an, a breast MRI yourself, they basically, you know, lay you down on a table and have your breasts hanging freely. And then they used uh, a machine, an ultrasound type of machine to actually come at volume of breast so that they could categorize them from small to medium to large to hypertrophic. And so that's how they, they got their breast size. And then what they did is they used an activity questionnaire. And really, it, it was how much exercise have you had in the last week? And it talked about what kind of exercise, and the, and the women filled out this survey. And so it was only a look back of one week in the prior week of what they did. And what they found is if the larger the breasts were, the less intense activity they did and less activity overall. So. I think I think that that's it, it, while it's an early study, it really informs a question that I think many of us worry about, but don't don't know how to address. So it's very informative. Well, Sarah's here; she's raised the issue. What exercises can we recommend for her that will help her meet her goals of being aerobically and physically fit, but not be uncomfortable? Right. The good news is is that she's talked about she's put it out there and said that everything shakes. So. And you know that she's in a uh, BMI category, and she wants to lose weight. So first of all, I talk about she's, she's trying to do some cardio. And she specifically may, you know, say running because there's a lot of, you know, data out there that running and increasing, you know, your heart rate, even if you do a walk run, helps. So I, as a provider, would be counseling her on what are you currently doing and what is your goal, all right? And I would be asking her about, you know, for her comfort, I would specifically ask about her bra and, you know, if she's worried about things jiggling and if it's not just her breast, but it might also be her abdomen, I'd be talking about a support for that as well. Um, you know, bra fitting and women, and I can say this, is, is a dimension that is just very uncomfortable for people, finding the right supportive bra to wear even daily, never mind for exercise. But if you do a search on the internet, um, you can find some very supportive bras they range, but they're expensive. They range from fifty to a hundred dollars, um, sometimes even more. And what they are is they basically are a series of you know you can fit them to yourself. They have Velcro straps, and there's a lot of different brands out there now. If somebody is so inclined, they could certainly go to a sports store and ask to try on what they have there. And possibly you might even be able to get a fitting. That's very common now. So that's that's one way of doing it. And the other thing is to talk to her about. How is she, what, what her intentions are. So, you know, diet also comes into this. But what I worry is, is that, you know, you have to make sure, as we always do, to talk about over time and small steps before you get frustrated. But I think it's really key that she has mentioned this possible barrier um, and that you can help, you know, work with her on this. All right. So one of the solutions you've recommended is, is getting a properly fitted uh, and appropriate sports bra. But what activities should we recommend for her? So first of all, you can go right away, low impact, right? You can do brisk walking. You can do um, swimming. Swimming is extremely supportive, of course, for the whole body. I, I think you're right. I think we tend to think of, all right, aerobic exercise, you have to be out there. You have to be, mm -hmm. in, her, in her own words, you know, 
uh, sort of uh, uh, everything being moving, and that, that doesn't necessarily have to be the case. You can get aerobic exercise, aggressive aerobic exercise, without putting yourself out there. Um, what about you know more aggressive treatments? W when are people a candidate for breast reduction surgery, and and what symptoms do they tend to get? Right. So prior I, to I think two. I have two thoughts on that. First is women that are born and, and have, a, have a propensity to have breast size that is totally disproportionate from their body. Mm -hmm. So weight loss is not gonna mean that their breasts are gonna be reduced in size. And those, those people are candidates for a cosmetic procedure, uh, breast reduction. And I have had patients and I've had personal friends in the past that have had this procedure done and it, it was life-changing for them. Um, I had a classmate in high school that was just so you know, well endowed, and it just, it, it ruined everything. She didn't feel like she looked good. She was very self-conscious. So self there's that type of, you know, a pretty extreme procedure, but can really change a patient's life. The other are um, cosmetic approaches. There can be mammoplasty. Um, and the, when you talk about people that have large breasts and what effects it can have on them, neck strain, back pain, spasm, they can get very deep grooves in their shoulders from, even properly fitting bras because of the weight of the breast that pulls down, you know. Um, I've had patients so worried about their breasts sagging that they wear bras 24 hours a day, even when even, they're sleeping. Even when they're sleeping. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I looked up uh, the um, American uh, Board of Cosmetic Surgery has some estimates about procedures. They can range anywhere from seven to ten thousand dollars there's also you know looking into the patient's insurance and seeing what the criteria are and if the patient desires that helping them get to the right referral it's interesting how insurers will be happy to pay for chronic pain medicines and anti-inflammatories and MRIs of the thoracic spine and the cervical spine but you have to fight with them to try to get uh, really life-defining surgery covered. So I, 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 I just went through this not that long ago with a patient, and I lost. Uh, I, I think this is a wonderful paper. It reminds us all that there are many things that uh, challenge patients to exercise and that we uh, need to be mindful of the fact that we need to ask patients what, can, what could help them meet their goals. And if, if someone says breast size, at least now we have a few solid tools to help uh, respond to that, that concern. Right, and I just want to tell listeners, for the paper that's posted, if they look up the author, they will find pretty much a, a compendium of work that, that they have done on this topic. Great. And I'm sure there's more to come out. Thank you so much, Jill. Thank you, Frank. Practice pointer. Query patients about the barriers blocking them from reaching their physical activity goals, and don't forget that breast size in women may be one of the issues. Join us next time when we discuss the influence of e-readers and e-books on child development of toddlers. Thank you for listening to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine, brought to you by PrimeMed. To claim credit and receive additional information about the article referenced in today's episode, visit primemed.com slash podcast and see you next week.